You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. From our studio to yours, it's Various Artists with Francis and Liam. Ah, yeah, yeah, Maria, yeah. Tenakoto Katoa, call Liam Hansen, Doku Ingoa. Call Francis Wright, Toku Ingoa. No, my, haere mai, ki various artists, Motene Wiki. Welcome to Various Artists. This is your guide to all art things happening in Tamaki Makoto this week, as well as chats about creative stuff, interviews with artists doing cool things, and more. My name is Liam. My name is Francis, and we'll be with you for the next hour. We've had a thrilling, thrilling last weekend, haven't we? Yeah, I think we're, we're still recovering. We, <laughs> we took a trip to WOMAD and had very minimal sleep. Um, there was a lot of uh, flooded tents and very, very cold cars I was sleeping. You, you weren't doing too bad, were you? I was okay, but I'm also a well-seasoned camper and tramper, so I knew what was coming, and I'm a bit of a festival junkie, so I was prepared. I'm, I'm a horrific city dweller. I, I, I grew up in Waitakere, but like my parents were always just kind of like, hey, do you want to like go outside and do some things? And I'm like, no, I'm going to stay on my computer. <laughs> uh, but we did, did get some good content, didn't we? We did. What is coming up on the show, Liam? If I can, we go over our wonderful WOMAD weekend. We have a little audio documentary capturing the sounds, sights, tastes, and people of WOMAD 2023, featuring the wonderful Joel Wickens from a thrift store and pretty much every other corner of BFM. Yes, he is omnipresent. <laughs> uh, I talked to Professor Hinke Orsinger from the University of Auckland about how mathematical chaos and weather systems translate into art and craft. I also had a corridor with the team at Four Phase Games, a development studio based in Taranaki, working on their first multi-futurist title, implementing Te Māori, Te Reo and more. We also have an interview with Moite, where we talk about marching bands, techno, sunglasses, and I make some jokes about dogs that get lost in translation, and it's quite embarrassing. It was incredible. And we have your Tamaki Arts Guide from the 17th to the 24th of March. No, we don't. We have your Arts Guide from the 24th to the 31st of March, because I forgot to update our run sheets. That was, that was a sleepless mistake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We'd love to hear your thoughts on these pieces. Tukupatuhi mai, you can text us on 5395 or why am I Give us a call in the studio. We are on 3093879. Also, after the show, ka oe e wareware e ahe ana koto te thakarango ana ke ene korero ano pe pe i te pai tukutuku o irirangai poho me hariki 95BFM irakati com. You can catch all these chats and more by podcast on the 95BFM website 95BFM.com. Shall we get into it? Let's. Oh, don't suffer for your art chat. Various artists with Francis and Liam. On Friday last week, myself, Francis, Joe and Liam jumped in the car and drove down the west coast to WOMAD. WOMAD is an international arts festival. The central aim of WOMAD is to celebrate the world's many forms of music, arts and dance. This year saw a lineup with the likes of Yusso Undwa, Avondale Bowling Club, Sampa the Great, and a whole bunch more. There was also a range of food market stalls and workshops. Interviews were taking place with writers, vendors were selling salt grinders, and local chefs came together to sell food from Venezuelan arepas to Hungarian langos. After pitching some tents in the mud, we grabbed our mics and headed out to enjoy the festival and talk to the people of WOMAD. Here's Jerry to tell you about his personal history of the festival. This is the 20th anniversary, and I remember I would only be living here in, uh, near Inglewood, near New Plymouth, for a year. And I saw it in the newspaper, 
the daily record, whatever it is. And I thought, you mean these bands are all coming here to New Plymouth? All these bands from all over the world? I couldn't believe it at first. Joe couldn't believe it either. He was so excited, he rolled down the hill at the main stage. Hello, my name's Joe. I'm here at Womad and I'm rolling down the hill. Beautiful people are to enjoy Womad today. Beautiful people, are you glad to be here today? Well, man, 2023. I'm Joe. I'm Francis. And I'm Liam. The sun's out, the vibes are on. We didn't sleep very well, but we are excited. Liam was most excited about seeing ADG7 the night before. They were fantastic, weren't they? Yeah, they were awesome. They were awesome. So we are so much happy to be here. Walmart, New Zealand, so beautiful nature, so fresh air. So we are from Korea and our music is based on Korean traditional shamanic music and a folk song from the northern area of Korea. So we love to dance and singing with the audience. So every moment when we uh, perform us, we try to uh, give powerful energy to audience and then make them dance, jump like this, boom, 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 like this, boom, boom, boom. So that was our motto. <laughs> so thank you so much, New Zealand. Name, Namehi. 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 What was your favorite act from last night? Moite, the German brass band mixed with house music. We are in the mosh. We are a marching band that plays techno music. We try as a marching band tried to sound like synthesizers and drum machine who try to sound like a marching band. So, um, yes, it's Inception. I know you do a lot of street performances. What's it like when you go out and do a street performance? Well, it, it, it's obviously different than playing stage and being ready. And it's, um, it's hard to explain. There's a moment where you realize, for me, it's like that, that now people are coming and being attracted to it and it creates uh, the feeling why, for me of why we do it because it's a spirit we talked about it earlier a spiritual thing and sometimes you realize that more when you're within the crowd we had a chat to jack at the kids parade about moite too hey jack what's on your flag a germany flag did you paint it yourself yeah did you see the german brass band I, said, I don't actually know if I did. Have you had any food this weekend? Yeah. Yes. What have you had? We Brownie. had hot chips. And we had some chips. And the quesadilla. Oh my and, goodness. And the American hot dog. Jack wasn't the only one enjoying the food at WOMAD though. Joe also picked up some food and is coming in hot with a BFM food review. Joe and I have just purchased uh, kebab. You had Venezuelan food last night. Yeah, I did. I got given free Venezuelan food. She looked at me, pointed at me, and she said, I'm a winner, and then I won a free arepa. 
We're gonna hear what a chicken kebab tastes like. We're in, so we've gone to Turkey. We're not in South America anymore. We've gone to Turkey. Obviously, there's a range of different food here. He's bit in the paper. What does a paper seasoned kebab taste like, Joe? Yeah, I don't know, bro. That was in, I didn't plan that. Um, <laughs> hold on. I'll take one more bite. Like it just beautiful, great. I'll give that a, an, an 8.6. And Liam has just turned up. Perfect timing. In perfect timing with some kind of fried bread. Do you want to explain what's on top of your fried bread here, Liam? This is uh, Langos from Hungary, I believe. I've done a little custom order because I'm fancy like that. We've got pesto, tomato, jalapenos, cheese, and garlic. This is a solid 9 out of 10. That it was. The food was so good, in fact, that Francis ended up having a chat to a few of the chefs and food stalls at Woma 2023. She first started over in India. I'm here with... Yes, Richie from India today. So this is Indian. We got a lovely butter chicken. We got a beef masala. And, and then we got another um, chickpea curry with some um, aloo tiki on the top. Yeah, it's come with the tamarind, some onions and all. Making some fresh naan breads in here too. What's your most popular dish? Uh, butter chicken. That's, that's the most popular one. So yeah, I really don't... Butter chicken. Yeah, Habibi. Yeah, that's the best, I think. And then, yeah, I mean, everything's going really great. Yeah, we have a special... Uh... What are you selling at Woman? We're doing dosa, which is a savory pancake made of rice and lentil. It's gluten-free. And we got a vegetarian and chicken option. And we from the restaurant called Orange Marriage in New Plymouth and Palmy as well. We got vegetarian one, which has potatoes, carrot, onion, ginger, and mustard seeds in there. And the chicken one is a similar way of cooking. The chicken added with that as well. I'm here with Vicky. We are making dumplings. Yeah. And what is on the dumpling menu? So we've got a selection of plant-based and free-range meat dumplings, and we also got a cloudy bay clams too. Do you want to tell me a little bit about your values, the co-papa of what you're cooking? So we always all about New Zealand ingredients. So all our meat is completely has to be free-range, it has to be New Zealand, and uh, we work with a lot of local suppliers and producers as well. So it's, it's about supporting local food that is grown naturally in New Zealand and stuff like that, yeah. Has it been a busy weekend for you? Yesterday was absolutely smashed. Uh, but today it's been quiet, Sunday everyone's chilling out, so it's cool. Beyond the music and food at the festival, Wormatters can partake in all sorts of workshops and events that are happening throughout the three days, such as ongoing caricature drawings and workshops with the local dance companies. We're at the instructional dance... Uh, who, who are these guys? The Mudra Dance Company from Wellington. It's very, very serene. Liam's doing it at the moment. We're getting our caricatures done. We are here with Michelle. Michelle, who's going to do a caricature of us? So they can hang it up on the wall at BFM so everyone can revere us. The fun isn't only for grown-ups though. WOMAD is an all-ages event with a dedicated kids zone and all sorts of activities for the young whippersnappers to enjoy. I spoke to some of the next generation at the festival. You have flags for the parade. What is on your flag? Slay! Why does your flag say slay? Slay the day away, that's why. The kids were certainly slaying the day away, walking around in awesome costumes throughout the festival. We saw all sorts of crazy outfits, showing just how much people get into the WOMAD spirit. The festival had a prize for the best costume, but we decided, bugger that, and introduced the unofficial BFM Costume Award. Well, it's a tinfoil covered cardboard circle, and we put some glue inside and then stuck some balloons in. Why is he wearing that on his head? Uh, because of the out-of-this-world theme. Do you think you're going to take the costume competition away? 
I, I, we had no idea there was a costume. I don't know if there is, I just made that up. But you can win the 95 BFM costume competition. How does that sound? That sounds really good. At the end of the day though, WOMAD at its core is focused on the tunes and the vibes. It was awesome to listen to music from around the world and even call cool to chat to some of the artists performing at the festival. Just trying to push my bush while I push my youth and cram my ball with the kush I grew like push a man, push the pram. Push a man, push the pram. Push a man, push the pram. Uphill, uphill. Uphill, uphill. Uphill, uphill. Uphill, uphill. I have a dub bowling club, man. Here at Warman 2023. MG Mokta. Hey, Liam, how are you going? I'm doing very well, thank you, Joe. These guys are absolutely legendary. I believe that Johnny from good old 95 BFM Drive said that we should check them out while we're here. And they're very, very great. So great job, Johnny. Shout out Johnny. Thank you for recommending these guys. They're doing great. I don't think there's been a single band here which we have not liked. Hello, Sam for the Great. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Nice to meet you. For those who may not be too familiar with your sound, how would you best describe it? Eclectic sound, I'd say a mixture of genres, most notably hip hop, but also soul, Zamorak and Kalindula music. So the last two are, are genres from my country, Zambia. And I sort of mix that up, you know, the sounds that I'm influenced and inspired by and trying to create something new. How do you work with both collaborating with artists and looking inwards to create a more visual and artistic side to your music? I think I'm just a, a big fan of storytelling, whatever medium it is in. Uh, you know, a film is also a beautiful way to tell stories. Living within these two countries, you get to see things and get to hear of people's stories. and. You just want to tell it in the way where pe people can visually see as well what you've been through and things that you can't explain through words alone, you can explain visually. And there are things that you can't explain visually that you can explain through music. And so it's just a way to communicate human to human. That was our little Womad documentary. <laughs> Hello, Joe. How are you going? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Very, very good. Very, very sleep deprived. Yeah. How was your Womad weekend? It was really good. Um, thank you guys for coming with me. I think it was probably the most... It was a, it was a game changer for us um, with such young shows. Uh, myself and the Thrift Store on Monday nights and obviously you guys um, Friday midday. And, you know, like I said, we have two of the youngest shows here at BFM. And for us to go there and interview artists that were you know had quite a big name like they did and and really get to see all these performances talk to heaps of people uh, it was a great opportunity for us to grow as uh hosts essentially so yeah thank you guys for coming with me that audio doco sounded amazing um, other than that last bit <laughs> other than look man it's so nice you had to hear it twice uh yeah and thank, thank you, you to everyone at BFM who helped us get down there. And thank you to the people at the label who hosted us in the media tent. It was awesome. I think that we're going to go to a quick track from one of our favorite artists at WOMAD. Who do we have coming up, Francis? This is the legend, Yusu Ndor, uh, with the song Berima. Oh, I Let's love this it. guy. Legend. Let me turn my volume up. We'll be back with more WOMAD interviews after this. This is UCU Andorra. Cheers for tuning in. You're on 95 BFM. Also, you can listen to all of Joe's interviews on the Thrift Store podcast page. <laughs>
Auckland City Council has proposed a new budget. This new budget is making big cuts to things like arts, climate action and community programs. Want to tell Auckland Council how you feel about this proposed budget? Yes? Great? How? Well, you can make a submission to the council to have your say. Go to 95bfm.com for the info on filling out your submission. It closes on Tuesday the 28th, so get tippy-tapping to make that submission. Audio. Culture. 
tune in to 95 BFM Drive every second Tuesday as they're joined by one of our friends from Audio Culture, sharing the songs, stories and salacious scandal from which is woven the mighty tapestry of New Zealand music. Audio Culture, more cultured than a blue cheese with a BA. Every other Tuesday on 95 BFM Drive. Thanks to Audio Culture. Iwi Waiata, the noisy library of New Zealand music. Go to audioculture.co.nz. Various artists with Francis and Liam. So you can go to the opening for more than just the snacks. Welcome back to Various Artists with Francis and Liam. If you want to let us know your thoughts on any of the pieces we have coming up, you can text us on 5395. At WOMAD over the weekend, I talked with Hinke Osinga, Professor of Applied Mathematics at the University of Auckland. She is an international expert in dynamical systems theory, the mathematical analysis of behaviour that changes with time. Hinke's research unexpectedly led her into craft and art when she turned her computer-generated images of chaotic behaviour into an intriguing crochet object that embodies unpredictability in a hands-on way. Here's our cordial now. We are talking about chaos today. Would you like to start by telling me about chaos, our weather, and how it all ties in with mathematics? Chaos and weather, I guess nowadays that has a lot of meaning for people in a bad way. I guess my mathematics and my chaos is more of a theoretical kind. The most classical example of how chaos as a mathematical behavior was discovered is in a very simplified model of the weather. And so we've always associated chaos with the weather just because of that. So in 1963, Edward Lorenz made um, this model and discovered that you can have unpredictability in how the weather would develop or how you would you know, see certain motions suddenly change. And that was because of how the equations inherently were very sensitive. And that is what we call mathematics. So it's not like my bedroom floor chaos? Not really. <laughs> There's a lot of order in mathematical chaos. And one of the big things that we do in, in chaos theory is try to figure out how that order is preserved even though there is unpredictability and sensitivity in the system and that's what makes it a fascinating subject. So I came to your talk before and we're thinking about this model of organized chaos and the way I'm thinking of describing it to listeners is like a anti-clockwise and clockwise system that has kind of like two wings almost and then like a steady point of equilibrium that's stationary in the middle. Would that be right? Well, that's certainly correct in terms of the mathematical equations. Maybe let's put it this way. This motion of counterclockwise and clockwise is about hot air rising and cool air cooling as it goes up and then because it cool air being heavier coming back down. And so that's where you get the counterclockwise and clockwise scrolls from. And um, that motion is, you know, always taking place. The unpredictability is is really in terms of when do you make the switch? When do you suddenly start moving as a particle in this one scroll, moving over to the other scroll? And and what is happening in the atmosphere is is called a, a convection. That's um, that is that you're shifting from one scroll into the next. And the interesting thing that Edward Lorenz observed is that it's really unpredictable when you switch. 
And that's something that you wouldn't expect from the equations, you wouldn't expect from, you know, the atmosphere per se. And so that was, you know, mathematically a very intriguing thing. And since then we have found that this is actually quite typical in a lot of other applications as well. And the reason that you've come to WOMAD is because of this quite incredible uh, object that you've created. Can you tell listeners what the object looks like? (laughs) Yeah, that's the annoying thing about radio, right? You can't actually see it. So it's, um, it's a surface. And so it's a surface made from what you could call computer-generated crochet instructions. The computer generated these crochet instructions not as crochet instructions, but as a family of solutions to this system of equations that Lorenz developed. And so in that sense, it's, you know, it's fascinating in itself that you can read those as crochet instructions. The shape is a very intricate transformation if you want from the bottom being quite flat to the top part having what we know in mathematics as hyperbolic geometry and so there is um, a lot of negative curvature at the top and the surface is just flat at the bottom and that makes it a very intriguing shape that a lot of people will say, like, oh that's beautiful. These computer generated instructions are an academic article? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, it's all published, yeah, it's, uh, and, uh, you know, the the crochet instructions are published per se as well, uh, but the actual mathematics behind it is, is done over several papers even, it's quite complex mathematics, it took a long time to, you know, get the proofs right and really think about it in the correct way, and then the, yeah, the, the, the realization that you can crochet that came well after how long did it take you to crochet the piece yeah so i get this question a lot so um the actual version that you want that's the published version that was two months over the course of two months so sort of in the summer holiday crochet as often as i could uh, while holding out a full-time job right (laughs) but uh so we we estimated that it's about 80 hours of crochet time but then the first version was trial and error, and and so yeah. So before the official one, I uh, I made another one that was just to figure out whether it would actually work. You know, you can interpret it as a crochet instruction, but does that mean you actually get a crocheted piece that looks the way that the way it's supposed to look? And so that uh, that took four months. And how many how many stitches are on the outside? So the total has close to 12,000 stitches I think and the outer rim is more than 2,000 so there's a lot of counting involved yeah and then in this intersection of art and science you started a conversation with a metal artist can you tell me about that and the sculpture that came from it yeah so we uh, somehow we're lucky to uh, yeah, I keep saying we all the time so so my uh, collaborator on the mathematical side uh, who has also uh, helped a lot with the, with the mounting of the crochet piece and things uh, so that's Bernd Krauskopf who's also at the University of Auckland and so Bernd and I went to uh, the conference Bridges of uh, uh, Bridging Mathematics and Art and that's where we met the sculptor uh, Benjamin Storch 
and uh, we were already totally intrigued by his fantastic pieces of copper that the artist had in the exhibit hall so he had his exhibit there and we already noticed like oh this is amazing and he was totally amazed by how this fantastic surface structure can change from positive to negative curvature in such a fascinating way and so he was trying to find us and we were trying to find him at this conference and then we got talking about trying to replicate a shape like that from metal which was for him I think it really meant to show the world if you want that he could do something in steel and you know he could could make complicated shapes in steel and uh, I still believe that it really started for him his career as much as for us it started this whole endeavor in mathematics and art so uh. and how has this tactile investigation of the mathematics informed your research as a mathematician yeah there is something fascinating about being able to touch something that makes you think a lot more about what it is you're holding and it, it you know it it's not the same as seeing things on the computer screen it's you know it's a bit like watching the recording <laughs> instead of being at the lecture there's you're missing something or so and that really uh, came home from doing the crochet getting the, the the shape and then realizing what you can and cannot materialize in in the real world because we have gravity and the equations don't take that into account when you make a computer picture there's no gravity that you uh, that you need to worry about but here this this whole shape had something more to it then you are technically able to, uh, to 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 make in crochet so you have to stop the crochet even though the op the official surface is going continuing on forever and so yeah that was the most magical bit that we have the beginning of what we call a pancake that is folding in shape and this pancake is going to live on forever and it's going to grow and grow and grow and fill the space and yet there are always two sides to it what are you working on at the moment or what's next in this art math space for you if anything or have you become exhausted from all the crocheting so you know to some extent this the Lorenz manifold as we call it, the crocheted Lorenz manifold is, is a unique piece it's associated with this classical first example of the of systems with chaos but what I'm working on now is you know this obvious question that a mathematician could ask like okay that's in three dimensions what about four dimensions or higher and so my work now is focusing on higher dimensional forms of chaos and there are very exciting objects that are mathematicians have a very cool way of naming things so they call this a blender a blender is an object that looks like it has a higher dimension than it actually does and so we have been looking at computer-generated images so far where we look at a curve and the curve, when you look at this, it sits in space in such a strange way that when you look at it from different sides, it looks like it's a surface. And so you maybe have heard of plane-filling curves. So this is not a plane curve it's a curve that sits in space but yet when you look at it from the side it seems to be filling the plane because when you look at it from the side you're projecting and so you don't see full 3d space anymore 
And so it's a very interesting blend of what we, um, what is known as a fractal object. And so I still have to get my hands in it in a handcrafty kind of way yeah, to see was, how to visualize yeah, that. I was but, just thinking uh, if you like, do you have any ideas of what mediums might be able to portray? So, so yes. I mean, you know, the the fiber of um, of, of yarn or or, or just uh, you know proper uh, cord or something that could certainly you know be shaped in such a way. But you you want something more than just replicating the shape, right? You want something that somehow comes about naturally, like this crocheted piece in the Lorenz equation. But uh, yeah, I mean, in, in the worst case scenario, you want me to build a maquette if you want of this thing, then, then it can be done. You just have this, these curves and a curve as a mathematical object has zero thickness, but a piece of yarn, of course, has thickness. So I only need to put in enough that it looks like a surface already from that perspective. But, you know, that's that's cheating a little bit. I, I want more from the art than, uh, than just a replication of the mathematical object. Well, we'll wait and watch and see what you do next. <laughs> Indeed, that was Professor Hinke Osinga from the University of Auckland talking with me about weather, maths and art at WOMAD. Only positive critiques. Honest. Various artists. Shout out to Tanya on the text machine. It's lovely to hear that you've also had a wonderful WOMAD weekend. Uh, if anyone else has been down to WOMAD, we would love to hear from you or hear about any of your thoughts on these pieces. You can t- get in touch at 5395. Another group present at WOMAD this year was a team behind Four Face Games, who are speaking as a part of the OMV Steam Lab. Four Phase Games are a Namatu slash New Plymouth based game development team working on their very first title, a multi-futurist action-adventure RPG to be released on consoles. The Mahi Four Phase Games are doing is so awesome and fresh in the Yotodoa gaming sphere, so I had a chat with them over the weekend to learn more about their team and the game that they're developing. I might just start off with a little bit of having everyone introduce themselves real quick. Um, what is your role in Four Phase Games? Kia ora, Morgana. Um, I'm the creative director of Four Phase Games and do world building, character building, um, narrative, writing, script. Kia ora, I'm Machu, um, no Ngāti Pro, and I am the combat specialist for Four Phase Games and I'm also on the creative team and, and work along with all the yeah, world building and narrative and all that as well. Kia ora, uh, my name's Jojo and I'm the senior lead artist and also, uh, like everyone else, part of the creative team all the world building and character building and stuff like that, so yeah. I'd love to learn about the origins of Four Phase Games. How long have you guys been in service now? We're only brand new. We are total noobs. We're total nub chubs when it comes to actual game development but um, it was important for us to just get this co-papa rolling. Um, we wanted to make a game that we wanted to play because we're all gamers. It's really cool looking into you guys and your background and your story, how it's really bringing a new style of game to Alteda. It's very narrative driven. Um, would you be willing to sort of give a little elevator pitch to our listeners about what the game that you're currently developing is? It's definitely like a narrative in the sense that we're approaching whatever world we're building through our lens of tikanga, our own cultural guidelines and how we want to see like a game but filtered through the lens and created totally from a te ao Māori perspective. Mm. I think that's probably a 
good roundabout ways to get it up without giving away too much of the um, particular narrative before our... And within the combat of the game, um, you guys have been working in, in a lot of Marako and its general forms of Te Reo Māori. How have you been approaching working this into the title? When it comes to uh, Māori weaponry and Modako, um, I bring to the team skills that I have that have been given to me by my teacher, Malcolm Kirihoma of Tamaki Makoto. Um, and I bring that sense of authenticity. Um, I try to keep it as real as possible. When you're translating it into a gaming sense, I don't want to go Hollywood. I want to go, um, yeah, authentic. What sort of research has been put into putting this game together for you guys? I mean, we're all from different iwi, hapu, and we've all been brought up uh, with different pūdāko, different traditional narratives, different tikanga, different kawa, um, different... Uh, our, our Māori value systems are the same. Already in our tiny team, we are really diverse, um, so we bring that with us. But when embarking on our narrative, the, the deeper we got into the writing of it, the more we realised that we actually have to make sure that what we're doing isn't being corrupted by false tikanga or imposter tikanga. Throughout history, there has been small amounts of te ao Māori and te reo Māori being brought into video games, but oftentimes there's been some conversation about how well approached it's been, often from Western teams. Is there anything that you guys have noticed and are explicitly trying to do differently from these groups. The sad norm with a lot of indigenous cultures and their own narratives and stuff, it's usually appropriated and used to um, tell other people's stories and most of the time they're treated as aesthetics, more so than like fleshed out, well lived in cultures full of their own diverse peoples and things like that. And um, you know, Te Ao Māori is definitely not, not exempt from that. At first, like when you're kind of young and a little bit ignorant, you're like, oh whoa, cool, I can kind of relate to that. You get a bit older and you realise, hey man, they totally like ripped me off. <laughs> like, what the heck? Oh man, I could list off examples, but like, I don't need it. <laughs> like, don't, don't get like sued hard out or something. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Throw in some controversy, he'll get it going. And you've been utilising a lot of Te Reo Māori within the development of this game. Are you hoping that this will bring Te Reo further throughout Aotearoa and the rest of the world? Yeah, absolutely. When we're telling our stories, um, when it's told in te reo Māori, that's what gives it its authenticity. Lots of things can't be, as we know, translated into English. So we, we are 100% te reo Māori. People often ask if it's going to be educational and that's definitely not what we're going for. We just want to make a fun game. Um, and I think, um, like any really good game, you inherently learn about the world just because it's a good game. Yeah. Not because you're trying to teach people, you know, we're not trying to teach people te reo. We're just trying to um, immerse people in the Māori worldview and, and in our narratives because they're really cool. <laughs> and within that, are you trying to bring around a lot of, bring around some Parako and Māori legends into the storytelling of this game or is it fully a new story? It is 100% a new story that is inspired by our old stories. Um, so it is an indigenous futurism. Um, whereby we are recreating an entire universe um, through the Māori worldview uh, where colonisation never happened. So we're talking about advanced technology from a Māori worldview. Um, the same methods and methodologies that we use in sciences but um, imbued with Māori value systems. And I'd love to learn more about the art design of this game. How have you combined the aspects of toy with the regular usage of models and characters within typical game design? Yeah. Being one of the 
very few, very lucky um, Indigenous peoples to still hold on to a lot of that knowledge and, you know, visual representations of our art forms, you know, there's so much to draw from. And uh, even coming with, like, my unique style and things like that, um, like taking in a whole lot of amazing, like, contemporary artists as well as old ones. And they're never, ever just things to see on display, much like Morgana, like Te Tautoko, Morgana's Corridor. Everything can be traced back with Whakapapa in some way, you know, like things are not just simple shapes or motifs, they all represent something, they hold purpose and function, and it just, if it's like a broth, it just deepens that flavour a little bit more, you know, and it's been really awesome, like, um, making metaphors about it quietly before interviews and stuff like that. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's um, been really cool. It's honestly cool, like, having such a diverse range of um, whakapapa between just us to bounce off as well. Yeah. So, you know, some things that, I mean, I've learned personally a whole heap when it comes to, like, designing things, like, pertaining to weaponry, or like uh, the differences between uh, like different meta and kawa and things like that and how that all applies in like a visual sense. It's been a real, a challenge, but a good one to try and like visualize all that. And the incredible amount of mahi and ambition that you guys have been putting into this game is absolutely mental, especially in Aotearoa where it's a lot of more small scale games, but you guys are going straight into it with a wide console. It's incredible and like I'd love to know about what it's been like as indie devs thus far for you guys in Aotearoa and how you've been working with funding and getting everything off the ground thus far. It is super difficult but we already knew that. Like I, I was able to have some really cool mentoring opportunities and a little bit of funding here and there um, just to push the the idea and get in front of the right people and, cl and connect with the right people. But from the get-go, everyone was saying it's hard making games because it's expensive. And I've, uh, like, I know that, we know that, but it doesn't. Now, because we started off with that and we know that it's hard, we, we've just accepted that that's part of the journey that we're going on. Yeah. Often I've been told, right, right from the start, people are like, oh, you should make a smaller game, you should make a mobile game, you should just do a tiny bit or even just make a board game. And I'm like, I, I just, that's not where my heart is. So if I already know and I'm prepared, that we're going to do the hard yards, then we're just going to do it. There's no other choice but to pursue it, you know? Yeah. It's so incredible to see. It's something that I think that we really need in Aotearoa's gaming industry is both this implementation of Te Ao Māori and this scale of willingness to just go incredibly hard and do the mahi. I hope that our listeners tuning into this will be like, these guys are really cool. I really want to support them and keep in touch with where they're going with the development of their game. First of all, what do you guys reckon you are in the development of this game right now? What's your current ETA, do you reckon? I mean, we're probably uh, 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 well, a couple of years off, actually, having uh, a game to play I mean if someone if one of the really awesome listeners had like a couple million dollars a to <laughs> to give us uh, we could probably push that out a lot quicker <laughs> if anyone's listening just want to throw in a quick donation um, no but if people do want to genuinely financially or otherwise support you is there a Patreon or anything that they can use to support you guys yeah absolutely um, we have uh, four phase games mm. Patreon we can subscribe we've already got subscribers that help us to get together because we live in different places so um, we use what, what little money we get regularly just uh, to keep building the game itself. And even just, um, it's really great to interact with our social media. Um, if we can just keep conversations going and we'll follow back, like we're cool like that, you know, we're not trying to be, it's not about numbers, it's about engagement for us. Like we want to know what our, where our audience is going, what they're wanting from us, as well as being able to tell our story. And where can people follow you guys on social media? 
Yeah, we're on TikTok, Four Phase Games, Instagram, Four Phase Games. Just Google us and we'll come up. We'll be the first one you hit. That was Morgana, Machu and Joju from Four Phase Games chatting about their history and Māori futurist action-adventure RPG video game that they're currently developing. We'll be back after these messages. What's a seven-letter word for Street Fighter? No idea. I know that tonight at Ponsonby Social Club there's... Ichibu Pleasure Club, followed by DJs Chip Matthews and Grantis. And tomorrow... Kishia Live, followed by Killer Manraro and Martina Mack. Same old Ponsonby Social Club, 152 Ponsonby Road. What's it all for? Various artists. On the weekend, we also caught up with Moite. They're a techno brass band who we introduced at the start of the show. We all thoroughly enjoyed dancing to their music, and here's our chat with them. How would you guys describe your music for our listeners? We are a marching band that plays techno music. Awesome. And how did that come to be? Well, the idea was to do something new. And when you think about it a little bit longer, you, you, you can come to the point that um, electronic music and brass music are closer together than you m- maybe might think. You have the drums, so the bass drum and the hi-hat and the snare drum, so it's exactly like in a marching band. And then you also have in techno music these synthesizer sounds and often the synthesizers try to sound like other instruments, for example, like a trumpet. You, all, you all can see it in the preset. It, it's called trumpet or two-bar or brass section. And so the synthesizers try to sound like brass instruments. And now we try, as a marching band, try to sound like synthesizers and drum machine who try to sound like a marching band. Mm-hmm. So, um, inception. Yes, it's Inception. <laughs> Were your roots generally more within the vein of electronic music or did it all come from brass or kind of a mixture of both? Where did you guys kind of originate from the marching band side of things or the electronica side of things? Well, I think everybody has a connection to electronic music and but, but basically everybody learned his instrument, right? And has a different background. We have classical musicians, we have pop musicians, rock musicians, jazz musicians, but we found this way together, so, so originally. But I think everybody played in a brass band before, right? So it's yeah, like most, most of most of us also bands. or in rock different, bands. Different bands. Yeah, but as a, as a horn player, you, you will meet a brass band once in your life. <laughs> yeah. It will happen. And when you see it historical-wise, that we try to sound like synthesizers and the synthesizers try to sound like real instruments, then you see that our background is a really universal yeah. background, that everything, um, every style of music is in it. So maybe the roots of techno are uh, rhythm and blues and funk, and the uh, roots of rhythm and blues are uh, um, jazz. and. We also play jazz and now we, we bring all these parts of music history together in just uh, one concert mm-hmm. so, uh, and try to do this very minimalistic and very clear. That's pretty much the idea of the project. Do you think that you'd ever try to bring other styles of music into your work, sort of bringing more jazz or R&B vibes along into the pre-existing marching band slash techno styles? 
actually every every techno track has is related to some other musical style i think some sometimes it's a little bit more more maybe i don't know a south american beat in it or sometimes it's a little bit jazzy and then when we come there with our real instruments it will always sound a little bit more like jazz or a little bit more like yeah. south american music or whatever and so um, we bring it together and sometimes also we 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 take other pieces which aren't really techno like you and me for example that's not really a techno piece but comes out, out of the electronic world so basically we choose by heart I know you do a lot of street performances that just draw people in and I think that's like because of the the songs that you choose and the music that you play just draws people into your music. What's it like when you go out and do a street performance and watching people come towards you and be drawn to your music? Well, it, it, it's obviously different than playing a stage and being ready and it's, um, it's hard to explain. I think it's um, there's a moment where you realize, for me it's like that, that now people are coming and being attracted to it and it creates uh, the feeling why, for me of why we do it because it's a spirit, we talked about it earlier, a spiritual thing and sometimes you realize that more when you're within the crowd you know and you're a part of the dancing thing and yeah, yeah which has also a spiritual moment but uh, being playing guerrilla and, guerrilla and street gigs uh, feels like even more connected yeah we noticed that you all wear sunglasses who has the best sunglasses in the group the best sunglasses yeah would you like to describe your sunglasses for the listeners so have anybody heard of uh, Peter Herbertheimer or uh, the big Lebowski uh, uh, Walter Subject yeah so and I bought them on a, in a vintage store in New York and I really try not to lose them. I use them when I painted my room and uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Were the sunglasses an artistic choice or is it a matter of necessity? Yeah, that's a matter of sound. So it's when, when or a matter of style, whatever, yeah. but the, uh, um, the, the, the only rule actually what we have is the red jacket. And the instrument, of course, but the rest is uh, um, is the person. And the red jacket, does that come from a tradition of marching bands? Yes, it's a real um, traditional uh, marching band jacket from a marching band um, of northern Germany. And um, it's an old um, traditional marching band from yeah, 1962, Verein Londoner Spielleute. They came up with the idea to um, to have new jackets, so they they needed to um, sell them on eBay, and we found them, and it was very expensive because they uh, we paid two two euros per piece, which is maybe like three Australian dollars. We're in New Zealand. Uh, uh, ah, what what is New, Ze uh, New Zealand dollars? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, and yeah, and so we bought them, and and now we yeah. They are happy that that we go on with their tradition and they still do their marching band music with new jackets. When we when we played in Hamburg last year, they actually came like 20 people and they also had the jackets. Yeah. They had their, some of their old jackets left, and they were, yeah, they're really nice.
How do you think that um, your roots in Hamburg, Germany, has influenced your music? Has it had any major impacts, do you think? Well, Hamburg is a musically city, so you have, you have like also, also musicals, but you also have, with the harbour, you had a lot of different influences coming, also the Beatles, I think they lived there even yeah, for... they played there for one year, when yeah. they started their career. And, but you also have a very strong hip-hop scene in northern Germany, like it's one of the strongest points in German hip-hop history. And so I, I, I think um, Hamburg is a very strong connection for to music, and we are feeding of that, I believe. And your name, Meute? Am I pronouncing it correctly? What does it mean? Uh, and you, you pronounce it perfect, by the way. Thank you. And it, it, it's um, it's a, like a, it's a pack of dogs, but you you also use it like for a pack of people. A pack of musical dogs. Yes. Yeah. And what's next for you guys? Yeah, so we have a little bit in Belgium and France, and in May, in, in May we are going again to the USA on the West Coast, and we are playing some clubs and some festivals. We had a very long tour last year. And how have you guys been finding New Zealand so far? It's so awesome. Um, the nature is beautiful, the people are nice and calm and talking to each other and talking to us and ev everybody is nice to us and uh, the Taranaki um, looks so beautiful and it's so green and I went swimming in the ocean. I like it very much, I love yeah, it. I, so I just walked the streets and I realized and I went to the barbershop and everybody everybody I meet is like very nice and somebody saw me like walking the street and they just stopped at the board walk or at the sideway and was like yeah do you need a ride and it actually happened twice wow. I think I never did you take did you take the ride first one yes that's what we call stranger danger in New Zealand but I'm I'm pleased to hear that you got a free Uber I'm in Stranger danger? <laughs> Why? Stranger danger. It's like, oh, I don't know this person. He might be dangerous. Yeah, well, actually, I must admit that he was standing in the shop behind me, and I asked for directions, and then, oh, okay. and then he went out and he honked and was like, I can take you there. Okay, that's a little less dangerous. Well, thank you so much for chatting to us. We so appreciated it. That was Moita from Germany talking to us about their music and time in Aotearoa. We're going to go into the archive with a little bit of Moita going on behind us. Hit it. There you go. So, now time for the Art Guide, your weekly guide to the arts events across Tamaki Makoto. The Auckland Arts Festival Te Ahure Toi o Tamaki finishes up this weekend with shows running all through the weekend. So, if you're in a pinch for something to do, head to aaf.co.nz and grab yourself a ticket. On Ramare, Friday the 24th of March, tonight, this is also an arts event, but I'm sure that you've all heard about the counter-protests taking place on Saturday against the anti-trans activist Posey Parker at 11am around Albert Park. It would be great to see you all there. On Raharoi, Saturday the 25th of March, if you're hanging out in Howick this week, you can stop by Uxbridge Arts and Culture to see a new exhibition on Kinsui, the Japanese art of repairing broken ceramics with gold. This will be an ongoing uh, from tomorrow 
until the end of the month. On Ratapu, Sunday the 26th of March, that will be the last day that you can see the Walls Live Beside Rooms to Own exhibition at Toyo Tamaki Auckland Art Gallery. This has utilised the Chatwell connection to represent artists' experience of life at home. On Rahina Monday, Monday uh, the 27th of March, Simon Swall is giving an early evening lecture at Object Space on jewellery titled Space Body Object. Tickets are free, but you'll need to register to secure a spot via the Object Space website. I'm heading along to that and am very excited. On Ratu, Tuesday the 28th of March, it's the last day to give public feedback on Auckland Council's draft budget for 2023 and 2024. It's open until 11pm. The proposed budget has massive effects for our arts community here in Tamaki. Read about it and make a submission. There's plenty of feedback templates out there to guide your writing. Ko te Motane Wiki, that is all for us today. Sorry, I was just trying to chuck in an 87 track. That's all for us on various artists for today. Thank you to everyone who chatted with us, including everyone that spoke with us at Walmart. Professor Hinke Osinga. For Face Games. And Moite. Neira Hokite Mihike Koto Efokorongo Ana. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can listen back to all those chats and more at 95bfm.com. Next up is the Land of the Good Grove. You're listening to 95BFM. That was a 95BFM podcast. To hear more, head to 95BFM.com slash bcasts.